welcome to my sister's house. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Asia or Made in Asia on social media. I'm excited to have you guys back with me today, so turn up the volume and let's get to it. Welcome back, ladies. Today we're going to be talking about manifesting your destiny. We have with two guests in house today. We have Chris, who is a social influencer and the owner of Bethany East PR. We also have Ola in the house, who is a third-year transitioning med student at UT Medical at San Antonio. Uh, today, like I said, we're going to be talking about manifesting your destiny. I feel like so many women today still struggle with how they're going to make their dreams come true, how they can attain their goals. Uh, I think that in this day and age, it's more realistic, more attainable than ever. But at the same time, we still struggle with that fear because there are still some social constructs in place that keep us from actually being equal. But at the same time, we still have the opportunity to go and chase those dreams and make them happen. So today we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be discussing some of the things that we've gone through and what's made us uh keep going and how we achieved our own goals so if you want to stay tuned and listen like I said we have Ola in the house we have Christian in the house and I'm gonna let them introduce themselves so Chris if you want to start yes thank you so much for having me um I am a I'm an entrepreneur I'm a transplant from Detroit I've been living in this city for about seven years now I run a small business called Bethany East PR and we have a couple brands, but we provide strategic communication for um, economic development organizations, for municipal and government uh, offices across the board. So we've been one of the top firms in the city. We're the only black-owned, female-owned, full-service firm in the city. Yes. I like to hear that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so I'm a second, third year, and between my second and third year of medical school here at UT San Antonio. And... Um, I don't really claim anywhere because I kind of moved around a lot, but I lived in Houston 10 years before coming to San Antonio, and I've been in San Antonio for about, coming on two years now, so. And I'm really passionate about global health and public health, music and dance, those are like my hobbies and things I like to do. So that's, it's so beautiful, you guys. So that's why I picked you guys, really, because I felt like um, we have one that was, you're already in what you want to do, you know, and you're making that happen for yourself. Um, Ala, you are transitioning into that but it has taken a lot of work for you to get to where you are a lot of determination and motivation so I wanted to have you two here because it's pretty diverse um and just hear what you guys's ideas were and how you've been able to manifest your destiny um so the first question I really have is uh what moment did you realize what your purpose was and how did you execute that dream that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I like a lot of us women, we probably started working really, really early. Like Us as black women, as women in general, we're always working to either stay within a social norm or create something within ourselves that we can create some resilience. So I was really, really young when I began to, um, to kind of piece people together trying to organize my friends to like let's figure out if we're gonna make money this summer or we're gonna have some fun this summer um i always fell in love with putting people together um as my family owned businesses i would always hire my friends for like my uncle to help me with filing and things like that and i just loved being able to say i bought on somebody i connected these two people i helped 
you know, people build within themselves. So I wanted to be a connector. I wanted to be someone that can promote the strengths in other people. So I just naturally became a publicist when I was super, super young. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and cool. I'm happy to have been doing this for, for as long as I have. That's cool. That's a lot like me, honestly. Like, I feel like I've always been good at, you know, with people talking and meeting people and making things happen. I've been planning parties since I was really young. And I always, my first job, I was 11 years old. Like, that's when I first started making my own money when I was 11. Um, and so it, it it clicked to me very quickly that I needed to figure out how to merge the two, how to merge my talents and the business side of it and make money off of what I do or what I can do. Um, but I don't think I realized that was my purpose. I think I just was like, all right, this it's just is natural. Yeah. Thing, I mean, right? I, I didn't, I didn't actually start meditating on my purpose until a couple of years ago. Like I, I felt empty mm-hmm. from what I, where I was working and I was like, what, it, yeah. what is the purpose of this? So, um, that's why I really wanted to figure out from you guys, like, how did you get to that point? Cause for me, I had to get into the working world and say, this is not my purpose. This is not my dream. If I die tomorrow, I would be <laughs> I, this is not what I wanted. So, how did you do this? Like, going to med school is a big decision. It's so, huge. I never wanted to be a doctor. I so I'm Nigerian, so every of course as a Nigerian, your parents always say like, be a doctor <laughs> or do something. To be really honest, I am very social, but I never like touching people. Growing up, I was like, that's disgusting to be a doctor. How are you gonna like? So I never mm-hmm. considered it. So I went to college. I actually didn't know what to do. I was good at math in high school, so they told me to be an engineer. So I went to rise as an engineer, and I realized like very very quickly like I hated engineering. Like I, first first semester I took like engineering design class. Like about a month and I had blocked my team members' numbers. I would be like avoiding meetings. Like I was just really <laughs> really unhappy. So at that point I decided I was just gonna take classes that I like. So I really like exercise. I like working out. Like eating healthy. And I also like dance. At that point I was joining the dance team at Rice after I decided I wasn't gonna do engineering. So then um, the person taught nutrition class, um, Dr. Andy. She was like, I think you should go into medicine since you really like nutrition and exercise, and that's part of health. So at that time, she told me to go scribe and get some hospital experience. So I started working at West Houston Medical Center in the emergency room, and I really loved it. Like, I don't like, like when people tell me, like, what do you want to do? I always say emergency because I really hate working in the clinic. I really hate surgery. The only thing I really like is emergency because, like, you talk to people at a vulnerable moment. Like, when someone's come to the ER, they really have something that's really pressing for them. And it's just a way to talk to them and get to know them, figure out what's going on. It's like a puzzle. And then send them on their way. So what was your first step in that? Like, when you you realized that you wanted to go to medical school, you realized that this was a career, did you just change your major or what? So before I had decided medicine, I changed my major to sports medicine. Because I was like, I like working out. I like eating healthy. I really like, I'm passionate about that. So I was like, worst case scenario, I'll just be a physical trainer or something like that. And then when she told me to try medicine, I started scribing, and then it was a way to make money. And then through that, I started connecting with advisors. I did a program called SMDP, I think now it's called SHEP, where they pay you to do internships. I did it at UT Houston. So for me, I grew up like money was definitely an issue. So things that that, that paid you to get experience, mm-hmm. I really liked it. And so pretty much they just like help you like pick your classes and. With sports medicine, I'm not gonna say it's an easy major, but it's a major where like it's not that much of a course requirement. So I was able to fit in my pre med requirements and 
one thing that I found out is like when you're applying to med school, like grades matter, but really matters is leadership and your like skills. So because I had a lot of leadership with dance and ASA and BSA, it really helped me out when I was applying to med school because I was more diverse applicant than a lot of people who all they did was study their four years. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that too because like. I feel like women think that when you, or people in general, I feel like whenever they feel like you, you go after your dreams, you go be broke for a little bit or you can't make money. And I feel like in some instances, yeah, I know that for me, like, I really want to do like a podcast. I don't really make any money off this right now, but like eventually if you keep at it, you will. But other things that I've done, I've made sure that if I'm doing this, mm-hmm. it's there's because I have to put my, my time in it. And it's, you know, like if I'm doing, I also do interior design if i'm gonna just des- decorate your house i'm not gonna just run around all day for free you know so i i think that it was it was an important piece for you to say that you were making money from yeah. learning if that was something that you wanted to do but there's there's two sides of it there's the sometimes you have to work for free to to get your experience and there's also the opportunity of if you can make money from it then make money from it you're not always going to be broke from it no not at all. I, I I completely agree with you. When I first started my business here in San Antonio, I wanted to um, do something where I could definitely make our ends meet. I had I think I had gone on like two hundred interviews, and it got down to the last straw, and it was rough for us. And I finally said, I'm gonna put myself out there, and I'm gonna take a contract with me. But at the same time, I knew that I had to network, so I would volunteer sitting at reception uh, desk for events and I would volunteer writing for magazines just sending them articles about events that I've gone to but putting yourself out there to not only get money but establish a network Mm -hmm. where you can kind of build on your income so um, I completely agree working for free is never something that's that has to be done to build your expertise or to build some experience however if you do it strategically you can actually up your value yeah you know I feel like that was the first lesson I learned whenever I when I made the choice to not do something I didn't love so when I, I worked for the Cavaliers and I loved working for the Cavaliers but I hated what I did mm-hmm. and so when I left there I said I will never in life work somewhere that does not fulfill me and I'm not completely happy with what I'm doing pay-wise, what I'm doing every day. Because I, I, you spend more time at work than anywhere. Yes. So um, I set, I, I set myself down. I was like, what do you want to do? And um, what I wanted to do, you have to have a lot of experience with it. For the most part, people are not going to trust you with their event or if you've never done it like in this scale before, mm-hmm. you don't have any experience. So I went to the top places in Houston I felt like had the most events and um, had the most influence. And I was like, are you guys hiring interns? Are you guys hiring at all? Like, I've, I had this experience. Um, what's the best way for me to start with you guys? Because I know I don't have this exact experience, but I have this. Mm-hmm. So how can I translate that um, into what, what, you're, what you guys are doing? And I literally, when I started working for Matthew Knows, I, I walked in there and asked to be an intern. Mm-hmm. And within a week of me working there, my boss ended up quitting and I got her <laughs> job. That's and it, that I just is. feel like when you put yourself out there, it works. Out yeah, mm-hmm. you, you have to put yourself in position in order to yeah. to make things happen for you. And if you just are always afraid, then it's you're never going to be able to do it. Yeah. I mean, there, fear is natural. But if you're if you're holding yourself back out of fear, then like they say, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. Exactly. Yeah. So exactly. Um, I think that's 
it's really important to figure out what that first step is. For me, it really was just um, figuring out figuring out what I wanted to do and what my boundaries are, what I was not going to do anymore. Um, I wasn't working nowhere just because um, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to spend an extended amount of time anywhere mm-hmm. just because just because I needed money. Um, so I guess that that's a good transition into what do you think holds women back from actually going after their goals I for me I feel like it's fear for the most part um but there's a number of things that I experienced before I actually took the step it it can be fear it can be your network you know Mm -hmm. not having a good support system I've never really uh taken any of the credit for me accomplishing the things that I've accomplished because I've always had a really good network I've always been blessed to have really good women mentors so I really appreciate the fact that they've pushed me up but I do know that there have been people in my life that have like tried not necessarily try even if it was subconscious you know girl don't do it that's a big step Mm -hmm. that's your last dollar you know you ain't got no gas Mm -hmm. in your car (laughs) (laughs) they have always been those those different sides of of your network that you got to kind of determine which is what is right for you um so fear is good networking is good what you think i was gonna co-sign on that i feel like people i'm not sure but i don't think people are trying to be negative but people would definitely i feel like for me personally the biggest thing that hold you back and for me i never tell people like what i'm gonna do because like they can see doubt in your mm-hmm. mind like when i tried out for dance team nobody knew i popped up for the tryout and two of my homegirls were there we looked at each other like dang none of us told each other <laughs> but, like no one knew until after i posted it that i made it i even wanted to do that or like when I was applying for med school, unless people like saw me as some information to me, nobody knew. Like even when I got accepted, I got people to like the day I graduated from like undergrad. Just because I feel like it's not intentional, but you want to do something that oh I can do. I have a game plan, and then people will say like, but did you consider this? Did you consider that? Oh, you didn't think of that. Oh, I hate successful. the devil's advocate. And I'm like, even if I didn't think about that, let me fail because that failure is gonna help me do it better the next time. Like, yeah. I shouldn't just not do it because I didn't think of. A through Z. If I only got through G, like eventually I'm gonna get there. So I'm a big fan of like if you have a dream and you know that's your dream, like not telling people who aren't in that industry who can't help you. Like even though you're they're your friend, sometimes their own beliefs may hinder you from getting where you need to be. Just keeping it low key until you get there. That's funny. I I feel like the opposite though. Like I feel like telling people, for me, I like to tell people stuff like if it's my goal so that way they can hold me accountable mm-hmm. for what I'm going to do. Like you're less likely to do things opposite of what you said if somebody's watching you or somebody heard it. And that's just me. But like I feel like um like I said the biggest thing is the biggest thing that I feel like women that hold women back is is fear. And I do have I wrote down some stuff and I do have like lack of support is really big because mm-hmm. if if you don't believe in yourself and people are telling you you know, well, that's not going to work. Because I've, I've experienced that before. How are you going to do that? That's not going to work. When I said when I left and said I wanted to do events, and I, I had this huge idea. Everyone was like, mm. <laughs> okay, that sounds cool. And then for me to have, like, actually made a lot of that stuff happen, you know, that gives me satisfaction, though. Whenever mm-hmm. I say something that nobody believes me and then I do it, I'm like, mm. I go hard. I go hard when people tell me I can't do something. And I've shared a lot with some of the folks I've considered mentors or top executives, and they told me I couldn't do something. And it's just made me go harder. Um, Most recently, I competed for a contract 
with a very big organization that I was literally told that I would not get a portion of this contract. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, everybody told me, oh, you don't have a chance. Um, my my quote unquote competition. You don't have a if you don't come on board with us, you're not gonna get anything. Um, don't forget that you're the only one out here. I mean they said like little things. Are you sure your capacity is gonna stretch your capacity? You gotta front the whole thing, you know? And uh when I got it, it was just clear like the most silence <laughs> I have mm. ever heard. You know, and that just let me know that I was on the right track because no one, I don't, I'm not looking for congratulations. I'm definitely looking for collaborations, but all of the people that told me that I couldn't get it and all the hard work that I put in to kind of secure this bag, um, I'm, I'm sitting here now, like not necessarily worried about my capacity or my capabilities because I've proven it. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just kind of worried about yo, how am I going to find the collaborators to, to yeah. push it forward and to make sure it doubles and make sure it triples. And uh, But definitely when people tell me I can't do something, especially in the business world, it's no stopping me. So you think that's more so because you're a woman or because you're black or because, or do you just think people just don't have faith in you? I feel like a lot of times it's like women. Like, I think people treat me like I'm a kid. Like, mm. no oh, matter. I get it all the time. I get the I'm a kid all the time. I'm 35 years old. I get that girl that work over there with the with the other with the other boy. You know, I they yeah. <laughs> right. It happens every other day. So I don't know if it's because I'm black or if it's because I'm a woman or a mixture of both or just because I look young. Because I got this taper and these dreads. <laughs> you know, you Do never you have a young face like some good skin. <laughs> Thank so. you. Uh, but it's something about how people judge people but it gives you the upper hand you yeah. know mm -hmm. when folks judge you when they make a snap judgment you can easily pull them out of that and then the faces that they make when they realize yeah oh she's the expert oh she's the she's the g the og on it yeah you know? well, i agree with that i feel like for me because i look a certain, a certain way people think i'm kind of like a ditzy girl because i like to dress up and da -da -da -da, and people especially my classmates I think a lot of them are shocked that i have like substance to me because mm -hmm. i feel like they just think i'm just about like the shallow thing which i think is good because people don't expect you to come yeah. hard and when you come hard it's like okay mm -hmm. it gives you an upper edge yeah i feel like i feel like females in general face a lot of adversity um in in the real world i guess you can say because I started, like I said, I started making my own money when I was 11 years old. Mm -hmm. And I started doing parties in, like, 8th or ninth grade. Um, I I always have been working and trying to, like, get do what I think is fun and make money doing it. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to college, it was no different. I knew that I liked events. I knew that I liked doing that kind of stuff. So my freshman year, I started working in events, and I um, did that the whole time I was there. And so whenever I left school... People made it seem like none of the stuff that I did before mattered. I'm like, if I was a man, I'm pretty sure it would matter. Like, For sure. Yeah, but it was irrelevant because mm -hmm. it was me. It, it must not have been that hard because I did it. So I think that when you do prove people wrong, um, you it actually it, it, it helps you. Because when you prove them wrong, then now you can, you can do no wrong. And they want you to do it. Like, they expect the world from you and I for me and my job I love doing that I love wowing people because now they like they'll trust me with the world I could take their firstborn um, <laughs> and hold them over a volcano and they're not gonna think I'm gonna do not anything wrong so <laughs> we're actually gonna take a break I have some sounds for you guys from my girl solace you can find her on social media at hipster underscore solace and on soundcloud under solace this is her song spare change I love it so listen up and just vibe out
Welcome back, ladies. I hope you enjoyed those sounds from my girl, Solace. Uh, like I said, if you love that song, like I love that song, you can follow her on social media at hipster underscore Solace. Uh, sometimes it's hipster with two R's, but from what I know, it's hipster uh, with one R underscore Solace, S-O-L-A-C-E. So let's get back into this conversation. Um, we were just talking about adversities that women face, um, and I really just, I want to know, like, probably what was the biggest adversity that you faced um, dealing with achieving your, your goals and manifesting your destiny, how did you overcome it? I think for me, the two things was like finances and then also um, as a woman, people always tell you consider like your ovaries or things like that when you pick in a career path that takes so much training. And I'll talk about finances first. I feel like well, this is something I complain about in the U.S. is such a biased system. Like you can't make money without having money. Like the process to get to med school, even just the process of applying to med school, like the application process cost me over almost $2,000. And then you have to interview and you actually have to fly to every or go to wherever you're interviewing to interview in, in person. Law school, they can do phone, phone interviews. Like if you don't have money, how do you expect someone who's in college to pay to fly to where they have to interview? And by the time you add up that cost, is a couple thousand dollars you have to output. And then if you have to interview more than once, like if you have to apply more than once, you really don't know. Like I told myself, if I don't get into med school this first time, I'm probably not going to apply again because you really can't be like giving... Showing out money. Yeah, I don't, I don't have that kind of money. Or to take the... When I came to, to take my MCAT, people are like, if you don't take an MCAT prep class, you're not going to do good on your MCAT. And these classes are about over $2,000. So I was like, well, I really can't afford to take that. So that if you yeah. don't take that, you're not going to get into... I, took, I self-studied for the MCAT, and I did well on the MCAT. But a lot of people don't even take the MCAT because they can't afford a class. And people will tell you if you don't take a class, you won't do well, or they won't give you the resources to take it with, like how to do well in the MCAT without taking an MCAT prep class. So if you do take a class, and if you do pay, you pay almost $6,000 to apply to med school. And yeah, there are programs that help you, but if you don't know about these programs, because I can't, we can't pre-med late in the game, a lot of these things weren't told to me until after I got into med school. The whole process is really expensive. And then now I'm come taking loans. This is the first time since I was 16 that I haven't had a job. And living on a fixed income is different. Because, you know, you overspend your money before you just pick up a couple shifts at work. Now it's like you won't have time to pick up shifts. So I think that was the hardest thing about my school. It's very expensive to get to this. And if you have to do it more than once, it can make you give up if you don't have money. Like most of my classmates come from medicine family. So they have money to, to give. Yeah. And then I would say like, a lot of people would tell me like, okay, you're not dating or you're not doing this, you're not in a relationship, or if you get married, like, how are you gonna be considerate of other people? Like I've had people I dated talk about like, 
but if you're a doctor and you work this many hours, how are you going to cook dinner? Or just things like that, like, that kind of make you, like, die. Leave so, Wow, yeah. He ain't the one. He ain't the one. Throw <laughs> the whole man out. <laughs> I mean, there are some who, who do support that, but I just definitely feel like, like, even when you're picking up undergrad or medical, some people try to tell you, dictate where you go, what you can't do, or, like, really? You're not going to finish till you're 30? Like, da-da-da-da, like, okay, or... Yeah, people always have something to say, like, I think that's, like, the biggest thing for me, like... I feel like I now I feel like with this the this podcast is probably the first time I've just really been encouraged to like mm-hmm. just go for it and do it. Like I love this blah blah. So many people tell me just from the intro that they liked it, but like other things that I said I wanted to do, they're like, Oh, I mean that's a good idea, but how you go do that? Or you know, it's not mm-hmm. a, that people don't encourage you or, or keep you lifted. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing for me is support. Like so I dealt with I think the biggest thing for me that, that kind of drew doubt in my mind was when I left my first job and um, I thought they were going to be supportive of me leaving because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to still work in sports, but I also wanted to focus on something else. And that didn't happen. And I felt like they did not have faith in me and what I was going to do because I was a female. Mm-hmm. I went, I had this huge dream mm-hmm. and I was a girl or a woman. And well, they looked at me like I was a girl. Mm-hmm. And um, it don't help that I'm five too. So, you know, I, uh, I I think that's the biggest thing on my end. I'm me dealing with um, the lack of faith from other people. Now I, not to say I don't care, but I really don't. Like, right, yeah, I mean, I don't really care if you believe in it or not. I'm gonna make it happen. I bet you believe me the next time I say something. Yeah, sure. um, so yeah, and I I just it just took some time to overcome that. Just to learn that oh, once you do it, then they'll like. They'll, they'll never doubt you again. No, I definitely yeah. co-sign on that. <laughs> I mean, it's been different um, for me relocating as quickly as I did. I randomly met a man. I randomly got married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was all within one year. I relocated, met my husband, got married, started a business all in the same year. Oh, wow, that's year. a big year. It was a big year, and but it was also a lot of like little bit of warfares with me because I didn't necessarily want to be in Texas. I wanted to go back home. Mm-hmm. I wanted, but it was an unsafe time in Detroit. So, um, staying down here and making that choice, and then going on all those interviews, it really took a toll on my my spirit. On yeah. my you know, my family was just like, "What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do?" Um, and so I didn't feel like I had a lot of support until I met my husband. Um, and I think that's that's really helped our relationship along. At the same time, right now, what I'm dealing with is, you know, I dealt with the issue with trying to find funding for my business. Mm-hmm. It was basically impossible. Um, no banks would give us money. We had a, I mean, it was an ironclad business plan on how we were going to start this social media business and create this opportunity to engage diverse audiences and help large corporations to identify the audiences that had not been marketed to before. So we were going to break down some of these San Antonio silos. I mean, amazing business plan. And everybody told us the same thing. Oh, amazing business plan. Y'all have answered every question. Um, But we don't think the capacity is right. And uh, we don't think that, you know, you guys have enough expertise. Now, I had did six years at Blue Cross Blue Shield. Mm-hmm. I had, like, like you, I did concerts at Michigan. And I worked with a lot of different people. And to me, it didn't add up. And it must have been because I was a black woman That's in my I mind, mean. you know. But, again, people make snap judgments. We got to do what we got to do. So, I, I, we made a lot of sacrifices at the beginning of our business. Now, we're in a space where... 
my adversary, my adversary, my uh, adversity (laughs) is, you know, it's a different type of how am I going to be, how am I going to represent women where I go? Um, How am I going to take these preconceived notions that black women can't do business with Hispanic women or that black women own businesses? um, We give discounts to all the black businesses. Um, All this stuff is coming at me on any given day. And I have to now figure out which message I want to push out, Mm -hmm. which part of me, you know, because I don't believe in changing myself up. I'm the same little girl from Detroit that I've always been, Mm -hmm. right? I have, um, right, (laughs) I have, my parents are artists, my brother is an artist, my sister has a nail salon, and here I am trying to be this uber professional entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you know, and how do I do that and then be basically the only black woman, a lot of these big-time professionals know, these big-time executives know, outside of Paula Gold Williams, who runs CPS, Jackie Gorman, who runs San Antonio Grove for the East, Mayor Ivy Taylor. People called me Ivy for about four months after Ivy got, after Mayor Taylor got elected. And I don't know if y'all know who Mayor Taylor was. See, I'm y'all not here? from Houston. Okay. I mean, I'm not from San Antonio. All right, so Mayor Taylor was our first black female mayor. And just last year, before we got Mayor Ron, we had Mayor Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and she won. She was appointed when Julian Castro, whatever. Okay, so people, um, people know in San Antonio that we don't have a lot of representation as Black mm-hmm. women, and they use it against us all the time. They use it to the point where, oh, well, you, I mean, I don't know how familiar you'll be, like. Everything I did before I got to San Antonio literally didn't matter. It didn't matter. And that's what I have to now be a change agent for, I feel. I'm, this year, I'm the woman of the year for New York Life Insurance. And thank you so much. I was one of the first black women to be an essay business journal 40 under 40. And that was last year. You know, that's crazy to me. Um, So they have basically shine the spotlight on anybody and y'all need to watch it anybody Mm -hmm. that rise to the top on all of the cream of the crop that rises um to be an identifier so that's a a load that we gotta now bear to help them better identify with black women in business black professional women um just just our entire community right now as i see other women coming up and and i'm still struggling to get up you know, I, I suspect I'm going to be a newbie in PR and in business for at least another six years. I'm going to my 15th year being an entrepreneur, though. Mm-hmm. So we have to not only carry the burden of proving ourselves, but helping to better define how these people who remember segregation, who remember a point where they could just openly discriminate against us. Mm-hmm. And we have to be an identifier for them to say, no, this is not how is it going to be. We got to stand up for ourselves. Sometimes I do get a little ratchet in the boardroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I do stand up for myself and I have a husband that works alongside me every day. So I always have to like share with women that look at me and say, oh, you're only doing it because because your husband is. I'm like, no, no. He was a student when I met him, mm-hmm. you know. I brought him up here with me. Mm-hmm. And today, together, we rising. But at the same time, we have to stand up and show up and show out and, mm-hmm. and prove. And then, of course, educate. And that's something that I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. I feel like, for me, like that that's also true. And I feel like, for me, the, the cure to that is 
creating a women's network and i I feel like that's kind of the purpose of this podcast Mm -hmm. is i want to reach out to all the women that i know and all my my friends that are bloggers all my friends that travel who are in med school like i have three cousins who are one will be a medical doctor Mm -hmm. this um this summer but this that'll be my third cousin who's a doctor and i want to like sit them down and like talk to them on the show too about like what they face because i feel like as women we face so much stuff trying to reach our goals that men don't face um and i feel like the way to alleviate that issue is to create a network within ourselves we all have all these skills we all have all the we have these goals and all these things that we can that we want to do and we're relying on the other to make happen for us you're trying to get loans but who are you trying to get loans from is it somebody exactly. who looks like you mm-hmm. or acts like you? The bankers might look like me, but the bank is not all by me. Exactly. Um, and it comes to a point where how hard are you willing to work? So when I couldn't get a loan for a large event I wanted to host, I went out and started and launched my own sponsorship campaign. We were able to raise a ton of money oh, wow. by being able, but one, we had to come correct. Like, we have to come correct. We had to identify our audiences. We had to share our numbers. We had our analytics. We properly priced our sponsorships. We weren't going, oh, I'm throwing a concert with Bilal. I need $15,000 from every single person. Yeah. No, we made it really easy for, for businesses and corporations to see the value as well as take a chance. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, not to stunt the chances, um, but also to let let us know that hey, it's a lot of work we got to do, but the payoff is good because once you are an outlier, once you are set yourself apart, and if we set ourselves apart as a group, it'd be all the more better. But once you set yourself apart, it's gonna be the biggest payout. Yeah, ever. yeah. I just I feel like we we just we're winning so much and we're doing so much. I could only imagine what would happen if we just came together, like yes. black women, especially. Not even this podcast isn't just for black women, but we are sitting here three black women. Mm-hmm. I feel like black. Well, it's not even. I feel like black women <laughs> right now are like the top graduates of the yeah. uh, in the country, top yeah. entrepreneurs in yep. the country. Like mm-hmm. we are surpassing white men. Yeah. We're like you know what I'm saying. We are like the leaders of this nation for thousands or hundreds of years mm-hmm. we are surpassing them yeah. and i feel like we sell ourselves short by holding ourselves back from those fe- mm-hmm. because of those fears and stuff like that like just like they have black wall street we can make a um female wall street we and can. yeah like we that are. that's a thing that can happen we have doctors we have influencers you know mm-hmm. and, and and just you promote her she promotes you yeah. <laughs> you know but i think that we don't we don't realize our power we spend the most money too mm-hmm. um i mean we make most of the decisions when it comes to the household, even though I don't want to say men think they do, but you know, whenever you buy, <laughs> they letting them think they do is part of the reasons that why we are the decision makers. What's crazy is I was I was watching this Chris Rock special, this new one that's on Netflix, and he was saying, um, he's like, you think that's your house because you pay for it, but try to put a picture of your mother on the wall, see what happens. <laughs> and I was like, that's so true. Like, oh, no. you do think that's your house, but if I was thinking like if my dad try to put a picture of my grandma on the wall like a big like a picture that big or something like that my grandma would be like what is that what is that doing on my wall i mean my mom loves my grandma okay <laughs> but the picture don't go with the decor you, did, did you talk to me about the frame the frame oh, is gold yeah, it's go. silver in here you know let me let's fix it up but um no i really feel like um i feel like we have the resources uh to make these things happen but we don't have the 
I don't think I don't I think we aren't actually focusing on the network. So that's the goal of my sister's house really is to focus on the network and to bring women together so that way y'all can hear about somebody else who's doing something that might be able to help you out. Mm-hmm. Um and just I guess learn from each other and, and get skills cuz I I didn't realize how many people I had that were a resource to me and to other people until I started doing this show and started thinking about, oh, what's my next topic? Like you were talking about you moving here and how hard that was, like moving from moving from home. One of my shows is going to be about people who are transplants or people who just up in and move to somewhere across the country. Because I've moved in the last three years, I've moved four times. I've, I've lived in four cities in the mm-hmm. past three years. And um, I, don't, I'm, I have no fear. I just love to, to, go, to get to up go. and go. I feel like that's how you learn. But... Um, yeah, it's that's really what this show is about. Creating creating yeah. a network for people to see who you can reach out to, whether it be you're you're an artist, um, or you're a blogger, you're at med school, you're trying to be a doctor, um, or you already are established. So, you know, that's what it's about. So let, the last question I have for you guys, um, is about advice that you have. So what advice would you give to a woman who is maybe going after her goals right now are struggling to get past that hump or that fear of achieving or manifesting her destiny. Ooh, I'm trying to think what I would give to myself back in the day. Because <laughs> that would be the advice I would give to somebody else. I would say make a list of your strengths and weaknesses and people who bring out your strengths. And you can have friends that you love, but they bring out the worst in you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just got to cut them loose. And if God wants y'all to be friends, eventually y'all going to come back together. So I would say... Keep making a list of like what you're good at, what you're not good at. And if you need a strength that you're bad at, how are you going to fix that, what you're bad at? How are you going to make it better? And just keeping a good, positive vibe around you, knowing who... And if, another thing is, if you see someone who has a trait that you like, going up to them and becoming their friend. So many times I'll see someone do something like, oh, that looks kind of lit. Like, let me go, like, hey, I like what you're doing. How do I go into that? How did, how did you get there? Not being scared to make new friends, to branch out of your clique, and to just... I'm a big fan of having multiple friends and multiple cliques. Mm-hmm. You can get a diverse experience. You can learn a lot from other people. Uh, that is fantastic advice. That's absolutely fantastic advice. And um, if I could just say ditto, I would say ditto. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is in 2018, where we as women are always have been taught to be to change ourselves when other people are around or when we are not in our comfortable setting, mm-hmm. we don't have to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. If you want to be artistic and extravagant and a little extra, you know, be yourself. Be considerate of your environment. But be extra if you want to be extra. But be extra if you want to be extra. You know, be your stuff we don't have to change the way that we talk anymore that's our privilege now because we we got the magic we don't have to change the way that we dress anymore again be considerate but at the same time we don't have to flip and be two different people at work mm-hmm. and two different people at home and a whole nother chick mm-hmm. at church we can be ourselves everywhere everywhere mm-hmm. and, and every place we can be comfortable being ourselves mm-hmm. and i think that's the number one thing that might have stopped women from doing what they want to do is because they feel like they cannot carry on the personas the extra personas yeah you know they feel like oh i'm not gonna fit in well who are you to try to fit in yeah my grandfather always told me um and i was like i would say they not being they so far i'm not i don't feel like myself for blah blah blah. he was like you who who else can you be Mm -hmm. who else can you be but yourself so um I feel like you have to be true to that. You have to be true to yourself in order to 
achieve any goal. You have to be realistic with yourself um, and know what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are, um, and play on that. So for me, I did sit down and write, like, okay, what do I like to do? What am I passionate about? Because there's a difference between liking to do something or having a passion about something and then having talent in that. Because I know people who you love football, but can you play? Can you play? Do you have any kind of, um, you know – do you have any kind of skill? <laughs> if not, then, you know, this isn't the the, uh, the industry for you. So for me, I would say that my advice that I would give to women, I would say two things. One, the biggest thing, like I love people. So for me, networking, that has been the key to mm-hmm. my success. This job that I have now, one of my friends from college, she basically got me this job. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I, I asked her about it. I was like, you work for this company. How do you like it? Blah, blah. She was like, girl, let me email somebody. And that was pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty much how all of my jobs I've gotten them from knowing how to talk to people. So I would say the biggest one for me is networking. Realize that you have so many people around you that you don't even know. Like you might have went to high school with them and you see them as one way. But what are, what are they doing now? What influence do they have? And how can you use their influence to help yourself, you know, um, achieve your goals? What are, what are they experts at? If I wanted to, if I was sick. I wouldn't call my mama. I'd probably call one of my friends that's in med school or that's a doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, just because they have they, they have the advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say the second thing would be um, really to get rid of the fear. I, yeah. I don't I don't. I, it is a natural thing to be afraid, but when it starts holding you back from your your goals and being who you want to be, you gotta let it go. It's toxic. Yeah. Um, so I would just say have faith in. What your abilities are, what your God-given talents are, as well as um, having faith in God. Uh, I mean, you, when, when I look back on my life, I can't think of a time where I really was just like destitute and God really didn't have my back. Or I didn't come out of it like... Ain't that something? Yeah, like to you... To be able to recognize that. A lot of folks don't have that, Asia. A lot of folks don't have the ability to recognize that. That's why they have the fear. Yeah, they have the fear because they don't recognize that God, God's got them. And that you are too important to be pulled up out of here. You know, and I was just saying this. I did a, a friend of mine has a podcast. I just let her know. I said, if you were supposed to be somewhere else, you would be there. Exactly. Be your most self where you are at the moment. I was in Detroit on a Tuesday and on a Thursday I was in San Antonio. Mm. And to me, I felt like, you know, lost a little bit. Not, I don't want to be new. I don't want to be at somewhere new. But I realized through self-reflection, if I was supposed to be back in Detroit, I would be there. Yeah. If I'm, I'm here in San Antonio, let me find my space. Yeah. I feel like what another little nugget from my grandpa, what God has for you, he has for you. My it grandma has, says this all the time. I mean, yeah, what's, what's, for what's for you is for you. you. Like, yeah. I mean, you can't change nothing i mean you just have to live your life yeah. live your life do what makes you happy as long as you consider that, it like, consider protect it, right. your happiness and be yourself like, mm-hmm. like like i know when i came when i was applying to med school people told me don't have natural hair get a weed oh Ooh. lord the same thing. that's gonna have to be a but i love my natural hair i love the mm-hmm. breast like and even now i just kind of i like to dress based on my mood based on like expressing yourself mm-hmm. but, oh you ain't that on campus and people do look at me kind of weird but I'm like every day they can look at me how I want I know mm-hmm. my material mm-hmm. I know just as much as my classmate it doesn't matter what I'm wearing mm-hmm. or how my hair looks I want to wear a mohawk today then I'm going to wear a mohawk or I want to wear a crop top on campus I'm not seeing patients so I can wear a crop top on campus 
Yeah. So just being yourself and protecting your happiness despite what other people have to say. They're just mad that they can't do it. Mm. And that's sad. Snaps. It's <laughs> so sad. You know, I could do a full presentation in a short set. So sad that you can't. But <laughs> you gotta do you. If you you good in slacks and a white tee, go right ahead. So I think that's how we're gonna end this, y'all. I mean, just do you. Yes. Do you and worry about your own uh your own destiny your dreams what do you want to do mm-hmm. no one else should hold you back from what god has given you mm-hmm. uh, so you guys just live your life and 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 achieve those goals if this helped you um i'm extremely grateful i'm so thankful for you ladies for being here thank you. um this is my first real episode so thank you for for being my first guest <laughs> uh, and i hope you guys enjoyed yourself but we are gonna cut this and we'll be back to you next episode Thanks again for tuning into my sister's house. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. If you like today's show, rate and review. And then follow me on social media at Made in Asia for updates. I can't wait to see you for the next episode. See you later, ladies.